Hey everybody, good morning. It is Wednesday, August 16th, 2017, and you are listening to Politics Explained. I'm your host for the day, and every day. I don't know why I said just for the day. I'm not going anywhere. Uh, today we're going to start with Trump Tweets Explained. After a tumultuous, tumultuous? Yeah, there you go. Sorry, I'm from the Midwest, so I can't pronounce anything correctly the first time. That's not like a, a, a snide remark at anyone from the Midwest. It's mostly on me. Um, that's just what I blame it on, uh, but it's probably just me. Anyway, Trump tweeted a few things this morning. First, Donald Trump tweeted about North Korea. Donald Trump tweets, Kim Jong-un of North Korea, making it very clear which Kim Jong-un he's talking about, made a very wise and well-reasoned decision. The alternative would have been both catastrophic and unacceptable. So explaining this tweet means that we have to go back about a week and a half. Gosh, I hope it was a week and a half ago because I hope that, you know, trending on Twitter, we didn't have World War III, nuclear North Korea, and also, uh, you know, Nazis in Charlottesville at, all in the same week. Uh, Twitter would explode, but it didn't. Uh, anyway, so Kim Jong-un essentially said that in response to Donald Trump's uh, strong rhetoric against the North Korean nation, promising fire and fury, that they had their eye on on shooting a missile at Guam. Obviously, Charlottesville happened. Donald Trump lost interest in North Korea. And North Korea now says they are reconsidering uh, their attack and will probably not be attacking Guam. So uh, all clear. Donald Trump uh, follows that one up with a new tweet, Make America Great Again, which I will say uh, has far more likes than anything else he tweeted this morning. Uh, Donald Trump also says, wow, Senator Luther Strange picked up a lot of additional support since my endorsement. Now in September runoff, strong on wall and crime. This tweet is, of course, in reference to the GOP Senate primary runoff election that is going to occur since no candidate was able to pick up enough support to seal the deal in this initial primary for, again, the Alabama Senate seat that was left vacant by Jeff Sessions when Jeff Sessions took on the job of being the United States Attorney General following the 2016 presidential election. Cool. Got all that context out there. Luther Strange currently holds the seat and he is the endorsed candidate by both Donald Trump and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, although in this case he was not able to use their support to take the seat once and for all. Donald Trump finally tweets this morning, Memorial service today for beautiful and incredible Heather Heyer, a truly special young woman she will long be remembered by all. Heather Hare is, of course, the woman who was 32 years old and struck by a white supremacist car during the protest anti-protests on Saturday in Charlottesville, Virginia. Trump's reaction towards this act of violent domestic terrorism has been lukewarm at best, and to some extent, it hasn't even been in the news. Donald Trump, in one of his pressers on the topic over the last three days, confirmed that he has not yet reached out to the family of Heather Hare to give his condolences. By the time of this recording, that may have changed, but I have no confirmation on the fact. For more daily political news and Trump's tweets explained, you're listening to Politics Explained. I'm Ian Shapiro. 
what's all this about whataboutism? So if you've heard the term whataboutism, then you're probably left scratching your head at the end of any explanation about it. If you've never heard of the term before, then you may be left scratching your head at the end of this discussion about it. However, that's not my intention. My intention is to help you understand what whataboutism is as a rhetorical strategy and how Donald Trump makes it part of his daily repertoire and why it is significant in the face of the events that took place in Charlottesville over the weekend. So first, the term. What is whataboutism? Well, whataboutism is a rhetorical strategy that is meant to place moral equivalency upon two groups, people, or actions, or belief systems that are very much not equivalent. Yesterday, Donald Trump used the term alt-left to describe anti-racist white supremacist protesters, calling them all violent. This is part of that many sides argument and quote that was attributed to Trump over the weekend. Memes and, you know, internet fun things have happened on Twitter where people are making fun saying uh, stuff along the lines of the alt-right are Nazis, racists, white supremacists, and the alt-left want to give college and health care to everyone. Ha ha ha, they're so equivalent. But the point is he's using this rhetorical argument, using the alt-right, alt-left language in order to draw an equivalency between them. One of the more interesting uses of whataboutism that we've seen during Donald Trump's entire presidential career, or as a candidate even, occurred yesterday on Tuesday when he compared the removal of Confederate statues of Robert E. Lee to statues and monuments of individuals like Washington or Jefferson saying that they also own slaves, so slippery slope argument, where does it all stop? Well, there's a complex and nuanced discussion that really does need to happen among all of us in order to, you know, understand why some monuments stay and why some go, and make sure that we all have a voice in that conversation when we decide what monuments stay and what monuments go. This is not a black and white issue. This is a decision that we make as members of a democracy. So yes, Washington and Thomas Jefferson held slaves. Washington giving up his slaves when he died does not absolve him of that sin or of the hatred of the days in which he resided. Jefferson, in his writings, saying that slavery was abhorrent and a disgrace on mankind does not make it okay that he owned slaves. However, we as a group of people in a democracy have decided that the good actions that are famous taken by these individuals outweigh the abhorrent features of their lifestyles. Washington is best known for stepping down from the presidency after eight years and imposing term limits unofficially on the office. Thomas Jefferson isn't known for having slaves. He's known for writing the Declaration of Independence, which paved the way for revolution. Many of the other founding fathers owned slaves also. James Madison, who's the father of the Constitution, owned slaves. However, we remember him as the father of the Constitution, partially because that constitution was the foundation for being able to actually liberate slaves and other disenfranchised individuals in society. Do you see where I'm going with this? We have to make judgment calls as a society. What was the worth of these individuals? Was protecting slavery and being slave owners a characteristic or a feature of them? 
Or was it what they were known for? Is it why they were a historical figure? General Robert E. Lee is a historical figure because of his choice for secession. And what was secession about? It was not about states' rights. It was about slavery. Ask any reputable historian. They have an entire literature on history, then revisionist history, and then what it was. The Civil War was about slavery. Secession was about slavery. If you fought on the side of the South, it didn't matter what your individual inclinations or beliefs were about your secession. It was about protecting the institution of slavery. That is the difference. What about ism has no place in this discussion, period. But what about... Nah. You're listening to Politics Explained. I'm Ian Shapiro. It's not just the nation as a whole that's responding to the violence erected in Charlottesville, Virginia by Nazis, white supremacists, and white nationalists over the weekend. The country as a whole is of course having a discussion and processing what happened, but some individual cities are taking direct action. For example, the city of Baltimore, Maryland has removed statues of Confederacy individuals overnight. They did it overnight. This includes individuals like Robert E. Lee, Stonewall Jackson, and Roger B. Taney. If you don't recognize the third one, he is the author of the Supreme Court's Dred Scott decision. The mayor of Baltimore has spoken in favor of these removals, saying it's done. They needed to come down. My concern is for the safety and security of our people. We moved as quickly as we could. So whatever brief editorial I can give on this seems to be pretty straightforward. It looks like many cities and their governments are weighing cultural history, uh, public opinion towards these monuments, and trying to take those considerations and weigh them with public safety. And after a flashy event in Charlottesville over the weekend where individuals were injured and one was killed by white nationalist, white supremacist, neo-Nazi hate groups, it seems pretty clear that violence and security are both at risk of occurring. 